Hello, and welcome back to your local philosophy podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Chikalian, and I'm going to set the scene for you guys to start off our discussion. So imagine yourself a citizen of Athens right now. Uh, it's around the 5th century BC, and the city of Athens at this point is going through a massive period of prosperity. And there's this guy named Persicles. He's in charge. He just assumed the throne and is doing a really good job. This leads to a golden age of culture and philosophy. So naturally, when things are going really well in one place, people flock to that place from all the surrounding areas. And in this case, it was mostly from other Greek city-states. Now, as an Athenian, you would live in a democratic society that had a love of its legal system. Athenians loved a good argument. They loved to be entertained. And most of the time, you could find both of these things in the courthouse. Athenians would have been huge fans of Judge Judy. I mean, it's exciting. Imagine this one guy stands up during a trial in front of his fellow people and his Senate and yells, he was born evil, of course he would do something like this. And after he says this, he runs out of the court and is arrested in the streets. This indeed happened. This addresses the question of this week's debate. Is man born good, evil, or undecided until later? To begin with, Obviously, each individual has a different understanding of what the word bad or evil means. If one person believes that stealing is bad, another person might believe that stealing is a good thing, and it serves the greater good, in fact. For example, Robin Hood. The word bad and good are subjective and can vary in people's use. So obviously, when discussing this idea of born good, born evil, we must see varying definitions and opinions. To start off our century-long journey, let's talk about John Jacques Rousseau. If we were to look at things you and I are assumed true, and we were to make a list of the men and women who thought these ideas, um, Rousseau, Rousseau would probably rank up there with Plato, Aristotle, Newton, and Jefferson. Yet, unlike these other figures, Rousseau seems to have invented his worldview, one most of us now accept. He is truly the individual genius who radically alters the way all others think and feel. And yet he was bonkers. Self-taught, independent genius. Rousseau moved from Paris in his 30s to become a musician and teach music. There he hung out with many of his key Enlightenment era philosophers, including Voltaire. 18 years younger than Voltaire, uh, yet they died at the same year, 1778. One day in 1749, at the age of 37, while walking to a Bastille to see his imprisoned friend, Rousseau saw an ad for an essay contest hosted by the Academy of Dijon. And it asked a simple question, has science made us better, worse, more or less moral? And Rousseau tells it, fell asleep in a park, had a vision, awoke in tears, and started to write his discourse on the sciences, which is one of his most and well-liked pieces. He won the contest, instantly rose to fame, and forever changed the way humans see what it means to be human. His basic thesis was that man is born good, naturally good, and that anything that is not nature or natural has corrupted us from our natural state. Arguably, all romantic philosophy and sensibility stems from this simple, radical idea. The idea is in turn rooted in the fact that we feel before we think that emotion is natural, and that thinking is a product of social conditioning. Um, Rousseau is also the inventor of the modern autobiography, and in his biography, 
Jean-Jacques Rousseau, born 1712, died 1778, believed that man is naturally good and that vice and error are alien to him. This creates a conflict between nature and artifice and attitudes to society, education, and religion. According to Rousseau, nature is man's state before being influenced by outside forces. At the same time, he asserts, this is a quote, if man is left to his own notions and conduct, he would certainly turn out as the most preposterous of human beings. The influence of prejudice and authority would stifle nature in him and substitute nothing. In other words, human beings need outside intervention to develop their natural affinity for good. Man needs to work with nature, not against it. The correct balance of three categories of human nature enables man to develop naturally. These three categories include education from nature itself, the limitations of which are outside of man's control. Two, the education of man, for example, what we're taught. And three, uh, the experience of things, for example, the objects around us. Rousseau claims that outside influences, for example, society and customs, are responsible for deviations from natural, healthy development in humans. While Rousseau held the firm belief that man is born good, a man named Thomas Hobbes thought otherwise. As it happens, Hobbes didn't really think that we're naturally evil. His point, rather, is that we're not hardwired to be good. We're not naturally good animals, like bees or ants, who instinctively cooperate and work together for the common good. Instead, we're naturally self-interested, and we look out for ourselves first and foremost. We care about our reputation, as well as our material well-being, and our desire for social standing drives us into conflict with others as much as competition over source resources. Hobbes saw society divided by war and offered a road to peace. Rousseau saw society divided by inequality and prophesied a downfall. If we want to live together peacefully, Hobbes argued that we must submit ourselves to an authoritative body with power and to enforce laws and resolve conflicts. Hobbes called this the sovereign. He discusses this idea in his book called The Leviathan. As long as the sovereign preserves peace, then we shouldn't question or challenge its legitimacy. For that's the way we lead back to the state of nature, the worst possible places we could find ourselves. This is very counter to what Rousseau says. Rousseau saw nature as the best place we could be, while Hobbes saw it as the worst place we can find ourselves. Hobbes deduces that people are naturally selfish and wicked, and therefore cannot be trusted. Therefore, the primitive or natural state of humanity was violent or brutal. Therefore, a strong, authoritative government, like a monarchy, is necessary for good and for control. That's the basic outline of Hobbes' work called The Leviathan. So far, we've seen the argument that man is born good from Rousseau and man is born evil from Hobbes. Now, let's look at another view on the same topic. A man named Hun Su also maintained that man is naturally or inherently evil. He lived at a momentous time in Chinese history. During his lifetime, the Chao dynasty would come to an end. Unification was only a few years away, though. He could see that the dreams of his earlier Confucianists were empty, and instead he reverted to a, a direction of hard-headed realism in philosophy. Like Hobbes, he believed that humans are born evil. However, his opinion on the matter differs because he believed that it is a teacher's responsibility to educate man and to rein in those evil instincts and eradicate them. He sort of combined 
Rousseau's opinion on education and Hobbes's opinion on man is born evil. And while this idea that education to stifle corruption is a wonderful idea in theory, it's still unrealistic to think that man's naturally evil instincts can be curbed so easily. Or at least, that was one of the main criticisms of this philosophy. Many philosophers opposed Sue's ideas, saying that those suppressed instincts that have been stored away in the human psyche will resurface, eventually. It's also unrealistic to think that one can make man good simply by means of education. If anything, education leads to evil because it has the power to corrupt. You can teach good, or you can easily teach evil. One of Tzu's main critics was the Chinese philosopher Mencius. Mencius states that humans are naturally good, and that one's circumstances influence their nature. If you are raised into evil, you will be evil, and if you are raised into good, you will be good. But to this, Tzu would only respond with the idea that one's circumstances influencing their nature is ridiculous. One may be unfortunate enough to be born into less than favorable circumstances, but it's up to that person to overcome them. Yes, one can be embittered and callous by debilitating situation, but to say that their circumstances influence their nature is to give a justification for bad behavior. Tzu rejected Mencius's pretty world of perfection for the thesis that man is born evil and must acquire virtue through education. As you can probably tell by now, Philosophers love to disagree with each other, and that's how they started century-long debates. To summarize what we've learned here, it's that Thomas Hobbes and Jean-Jacques Rousseau were on opposite corners of the boxing ring in Europe, and Mencius and Tzu were on opposite corners of the boxing ring in Asia. Hobbes describes humans as nasty and brutish, needing society to, and rules to rein their instincts in order to survive. But... Rousseau would criticize him and argue that man is gentle and pure. So yeah, thank you for coming on this century-long journey with me, and feel free to discuss this idea with friends or family. This is your host, Nicole Chikalian, and I hope to see you next week in our 10-minute philosophy session. Bye. Make sure to come check out the Winter Concert, December 16th at 7 p.m., It'll be featuring the middle school and high school, bands, orchestras, and choirs in our first ever all-virtual all-ensemble program. Come share this unique and historic occasion with us. It'll be hosted in Mr. Martinio's Zoom room. That's zoom.us slash my slash d-m-a-r-t-i-n-h-o-h-p-h-m-s. Check it out!